Hi, I'm Brad Constantine, and this is a Come Follow Me podcast of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Although this is not an official podcast of the church, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. This year's study is the Book of Mormon. Each week, a new summary podcast of that week's Book of Mormon chapters will be released. But if you want a more detailed analysis of each individual chapter, those will also be available to listen to. I hope this Come Follow Me resource will be helpful to you. As always, you can subscribe to this podcast so you'll be notified each week of a new episode. I hope you like this uh, format. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to this Come Follow Me podcast of the Book of Mormon. This uh, episode is going to be lesson number 43. It's going to be for Mormon chapters 7 through 9, and it's going to be for the time period of November 2nd through the 8th. So these three chapters, 7, 8, and 9, is kind of like Mormon's final um, conclusion to his writing. Moroni is going to actually finish the book, but uh, these first, uh, this first chapter is going to be by Mormon as he invites the Lamanites to uh, read the Book of Mormon. Uh, let me just read you a couple preliminary things here. Like the title page of the Book of Mormon, this chapter serves as a sort of summary statement, a comprehensive picture of what matters to the Nephite prophet writers. So far as we can tell, this chapter, meaning chapter 7, would represent Mormon's final offering, his last counsel to the people of the last days, a message which is brief but all-encompassing. It distills into ten short verses what will surely prove to be timely and timeless directives, pertinent warnings for the people of the last days. And Obviously then, it's written not just for the Lamanites but for us as well. Uh, we can tell that by verse 1 where, where Mormon says, I would speak somewhat unto the remnant of this people. He's meaning uh, his descendants and the descendants of the Lamanites. I remember that a lot of the prophets prayed that the Lamanites would get this record because they knew that all the Nephites would be destroyed eventually, and uh, and so that's now happened, and and uh, so now he's just he's writing to them. So we know that this was not written for anybody contemporary to Mormon, but rather written to us in our day. He wants to make sure that we know in verse two that we are of the house of Israel, and so are the Lamanites, um, and that we need to be repentant and come unto him and to destroy our our weapons of war. Uh, so that we don't shed people's blood anymore. Um, verse 4, come to the knowledge of your fathers and repent of all your sins. Again, this is mostly to the Lamanites. Um, and so he's trying to get to them, get their attention here by, uh, by teaching these words unto them. In its overall structure, the Book of Mormon begins and ends with concern for the Lamanites receiving the gospel. Reiterating the main points from the title page, Nephi says that through the Book of Mormon, the Lamanites shall know they are of the house of Israel, and through it they shall be restored into the knowledge of their fathers and also to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Then toward the end, Mormon says much the same thing. Know ye that ye are of the house of Israel. Know that ye must come to the knowledge of your fathers and repent of all your sins and iniquities and believe in Jesus Christ. And then notice in verse 6, he then talks about uh, the resurrection of, of the dead, whereby man will, be stand, will stand to be judged. Um, verse 7, that Jesus has brought to pass the resurrection or the redemption of the world, whereby he that is found guiltless before him at the judgment day hath it given unto him to dwell in the presence of God. Therefore repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus and lay hold upon the gospel of Christ. Um, and that this record shall also come unto the Gentiles from the Jews. Uh, he's mentioning here in verse 8, not only in this record, meaning the Book of Mormon, but also the record which shall come unto the Gentiles from the Jews, meaning the Bible, which record shall come from the Gentiles unto you. For behold, this is written for the intent that ye may believe that, the Bible, 
And if ye believe that, the Bible, ye will believe this, the Book of Mormon, also. And if ye believe that ye, this, ye will know concerning your fathers. So Elder McConkie said, from these passages, we reach certain clear conclusions relative to believing in Christ and in his holy word. Among them are these, a belief in Christ and a belief in the Book of Mormon go together. They are locked in each other's arms. They cannot be separated. Like Ezekiel's two sticks, they are one in the hands of the Father. Those who believe in Christ also believe the Book of Mormon because it contains the words of Christ. Those who believe the words of Christ, as given by his disciples and as recorded in the Book of Mormon, believe in Christ. And those who do not believe these words do not believe in him. The Book of Mormon bears witness of Christ and of the Bible. It is written to persuade men to believe in their Lord and in his ancient word. Those who believe the Book of Mormon believe the, book, the, believe the Bible, and those who believe the Bible believe the Book of Mormon. And then Mormon concludes uh, chapter 7 with verse 10. He says, And ye will also know that ye are a remnant of the seed of Jacob. Therefore ye are numbered among the people of the first covenant. And if it so be that ye believe in Christ and are baptized, first with water, then with fire, and with the Holy Ghost, following the example of our Savior, according to that which he hath commanded us, it shall be well with you in the day of judgment. And so that's the, the important thing that we need to remember is to be baptized in the name of Jesus and receive the Holy Ghost. And that's going to assist us as we repent of our sins and, and return back to our Heavenly Father. Chapter 8 then, uh, Moroni picks up the writing. Um, he says he's going to finish the record of his father. We don't know how long after um, Mormon had finished his record, um, but he says, I do have a few things to write, which things I have been commanded by my father. Uh, came to pass that after the great and tremendous battle at Camorra, behold the Nephites who had escaped. So he's going to tell us about the groups of people here. There's four groups of people basically that have, that have uh, are included in this group. First of all, uh, there's the 24 survivors of the battle, um, so that not all the Nephites we, we learned were killed at Camorra. Two, the group that had tried to a southward escape, um, as is mentioned here in verse two. Then there's those that deserted to the Lamanites, and then there's those that were the robbers, the Gideon robbers who also were mixed with Nephites and Lamanites. So we know that there are some uh, Nephites and Lamanites that are left. Um, verse 3 mentions, Moroni mentions that his father was killed by them even and that he remains alone to write the sad tale of the destruction of his people. Um, he, he says, behold, they are gone. So he doesn't even have family members anymore. He says in verse 4, I will write and hide up the records in the earth and whither I go it mattereth not. Now we know that uh, he doesn't have a lot of room on the plates left, so that's why he's not going to be able to write much, but he will write a few things. We know that after this, at least 21 years pass, um, and he's going to write one more last time, uh, but, uh, but sometimes um, it's necessary for us to stand alone. Verse 6, uh, he mentions here that 400 years have passed away since the coming of the Savior. Uh, we don't know what Mor Moroni was doing during that length of time, but we do know from Brigham Young that uh, he was at least in Manti and dedicated the land for which the temple was built. Alrighty, um, verse 11, Behold, my father and I have seen them, meaning the, the three Nephites. He's talking here about the disciples. Verse 10, there were none to do uh, that do know the true God, save it be the disciples of Jesus. He's referring here to the three Nephites, and so that they appeared to Mormon and Moroni to give them some comfort and, and to help them, give them some company, since they were the only ones left that were righteous. Now, keep in mind that there were others, too. Remember the, some of the leaders that Moroni had chosen, or Mormon had chosen to help him in the final battle. Some of those leaders were also righteous people. However, they've been slain here, too, now and that Moroni is the last one uh, remaining. Also in verse um, 12 is an interesting uh, 
interesting concept. He says, Whoso receiveth this record, meaning the Book of Mormon, and shall not condemn it because of the imperfections which are in it, the same shall know of greater things than these. In other words, we're going to know of additional information than what we have in the scriptures. Um, Joseph Fielding Smith said, The Lord has promised us greater knowledge, greater understanding than we find in the Book of Mormon when we are prepared to receive it. When the brother of Jared went up upon the mountain to have the Lord touch stones to give them light, to light their way across the great ocean, the Lord revealed to him the history of this world from the beginning of it to the end. We do not have it. Now the Lord has placed us on probation as members of the church. He has given us the Book of Mormon, which is the lesser part, to build up our faith through our obedience to counsels which it contains. And when we ourselves, members of the church, are willing to keep the commandments as they have been given to us and show our faith as the Nephites did for a short period of time, then the Lord is ready to bring forth the other record and give it to us, but we are not ready now to receive it. Why? Because we have not lived up to the requirements of, its, of this probationary state in the reading of the record which has been given to us and in following its counsels. Now, that was given back in 1961. And hopefully we're doing better, but it says here that if we're doing it for a short period of time, uh, that maybe the Lord will then have the translated or have the sealed portion get translated by a prophet and uh, presented to us as additional information. So that'd be awesome if we could do that. In the meantime, uh, we are entitled to receive the same vision that the brother of Jared had, uh, as long as that's what the Lord wants to do and as long as we're prepared to receive it. So something to look forward to. Um, he says at the end of 12, I am Moroni, and, it were, and if it were possible, I would make all these things known unto you. In other words, he would uh, help us have this vision too and show us all these things. He says he's a descendant of his father Mormon and, and that he was a descendant of Nephi. Uh, he says in verse 14, I'm the same that hides the record up. Uh, they are of no worth except to, uh, to translate the material. Verse 16, he's speaking about Joseph Smith. Blessed be he that shall bring this thing to light, for it shall be brought out of darkness. Uh, and if there be faults, they be the faults of a man. Obviously, there are mistakes in the Book of Mormon, but they're not significant of, of any doctrinal nature. Verse 22, for the eternal purposes of the Lord shall roll on until all his promises shall be fulfilled. That's similar to Joseph Smith saying that no unhallowed hand can stop the work from progressing. Verse 25, uh, behold, their prayers were in behalf of the him that the Lord should suffer to bring these things to pass. In other words, uh, Joseph Smith is being prayed for by the ancients. Uh, they knew of him. They were aware of his noble and, and vital mission in the earth. They looked to the same, or they looked to the time of the coming of the, of the choice seer of the Lord, the days when this servant of the Lord would be instrumental in bringing forth the great and marvelous work of the last days. So great was his assigned mission with reference to the restitution of all things that holy prophets spoke of him by name thousands of years before his mortal birth. And as to the mighty work to be started by him, there are many prophecies foretelling it. There are as many prophecies foretelling it as there are about any other single subject, not even accepting the host of prophetic utterances about our Lord and his redemptive sacrifice. And that was by Bruce R. McConkie. Uh, and then uh, Moroni says in verse 26, no one needs to say that they shall not come for surely they shall. So he's convinced that this is actually going to happen. Uh, he tells us in 27 about when he says it'll be in a day when the blood of saints shall cry unto the Lord because of uh, secret combinations and the works of darkness. So the saints will be praying unto the Lord that these uh, wicked things that are happening in the earth will be gone. Verse 31, it shall come in a day when there shall be great pollutions upon the face of the earth, not just physical pollutions, but spiritual pollutions as well. There'll be murders and robbing and so on. So we can tell that this is our day that this is coming forth because we recognize all of this is happening today. 
Verse 32, it shall come in a day when there shall be churches built up that shall say, come unto me and for your money, you shall be forgiven of your sins. We know that there are some churches that do indulgences that you can pay your way out of purgatory or um, and pay your pay your way so that when the sin, when you commit sins, you can be forgiven by your, by your money. Um, he says in verse 35, behold, I speak unto you as if you were present and yet ye are not. But behold, Jesus Christ hath shown you unto me and I know you're doing. This is the reason why the, the Book of Mormon is so important is because they were writing for us. They could see our day. They could see what difficulties and trials we were going to have. And so every word that they write is for our benefit so that we can um, see their examples and see the things that they did or didn't do and that we can um, learn by that, not repeat the same mistakes. He mentions that we're going to love money in, the, in verse 37 uh, in our substance. Uh, he mentions in 38 about pollutions again, hypocrites, teachers who sell yourselves uh, for that which shall canker. Verse 39, why do you adorn yourselves with uh, that which hath no life? Uh, now there's a good indictment, isn't there, that we're doing things that are of no significance. Remember the talk given years ago about the thick of being in the thick of thin things. And so we need to be careful to just do the most important things. Like Elder Oaks said, to think about doing better, good, better, and best, and to try to do as the best we can as often as we can. All righty. Uh, verse, uh, verse, or chapter 9, I speak, verse 1, I speak also concerning those who do not believe in Christ. Um, he says in verse 3, will ye longer deny the Christ or can ye behold the Lamb of God? So he's he's trying to get uh, people that don't believe in Christ to be convinced of Christ. Um, do ye suppose that ye could be happy to dwell with that holy being when your souls are racked with a consciousness of your guilt? In other words, we're not going to be comfortable in the presence of God if we've been wicked all our lives and we've chosen wickedness. We're going to, if we get into the celestial kingdom in the presence of our Heavenly Father, we're not going to just ask to be to to leave. We're going to be asking to be to get out of there. You know, get me out of here. We'll say. Uh, verse six. Oh, ye, oh, then ye unbelieving, turn unto the Lord. So he's calling everybody to repentance here. This is uh, what he's trying to accomplish, uh, getting us to repent and draw closer to Him. He says, um, I, "I will show unto you in verse eleven a God of miracles, even the God of Abraham. Behold, He created Adam, and by Adam came the fall of man. Now it's necessary to know that there was a fall of man, so that we know that there needs to be a Savior." If there's no need for a savior, then we can just continue to do whatever we want. But because there was a fall, there needed to be an atonement of Jesus Christ to grant us or to allow us to return back to our Heavenly Father's presence through the principles of repentance and baptism and being forgiven of our sins. Uh, verse 12 says, And because of the fall of man came Jesus Christ, even the Father and the Son, and because of Jesus Christ came the redemption of man. And because of the redemption of man, which came by Jesus Christ, they are brought back into the presence of the Lord. Yea, this is wherein all men are redeemed, because the death of Christ bringeth to pass the resurrection. And that's the ultimate uh, gospel of Jesus Christ, is to know that Jesus is the Christ because he's been resurrected, which means that we also will be resurrected and brought before our Heavenly Father to be judged at the end uh, to determine what kind of people we've become, not just the soul not just the accumulation of our deeds and things we've done while we lived in mortality, but what kind of a person have we become? And uh, that's that's going to tell whether we're going to be comfortable in the presence of God or not. Uh, verse 21, Behold, I say unto you that those who believeth in Christ, doubting nothing whatsoever he shall ask the Father in the name of Christ, it shall be granted him. And this promise is unto all, even unto the ends of the earth. Now, the thing that we would want most probably is to be able to be with our our, our Heavenly Father, with our families. 
And so as we try to keep the commandments the best we can, that should be the, the idea and the object in mind. Uh, verse 23, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow those that believe. Uh, they shall perform miracles. Uh, Whosoever shall believe in my name, doubting nothing, unto him will I confirm all my words, even unto the ends of the earth. So we're going to believe the words of God. And he's going to help us better understand the scriptures, too, as we, as we do the things that he's asked us to do. Uh, verse 28, be wise in the days of your probation. There's a good counsel. Uh, do the things that we're supposed to. Um, strip yourselves of all uncleanness. Ask not that you may consume it on your lust, but ask for a firmness unshaken that you may yield to no temptation. So there's a good counsel. See that you be not baptized unworthily also. And now behold, we have written this record according to our knowledge and the characters which are called among us, the reformed Egyptian being handed down and altered by us. So even Mor Moroni, as he's finishing the work, he probably looks over all the plates and notices that the reformed Egyptian that he's writing in is different than the than the reformed Egyptian that Nephi started with. So it's even been altered all the way down for this thousand year time period. Uh, he says, according to our speech. Um, when we think of the language of the ancient Egyptians, we immediately think of their hieroglyphic style of writing. In this style, pictures are used to tell the story. Was the language of the Book of Mormon a modification of a hieroglyphic language? Certainly not. There was, a, there was another type of Egyptian writing which was used among the merchants of Lehi's day. This was called the demotic form. Sidney Sperry said this was a very rapid or short, shortened form of hi hieratic used in the books and the documents written from about 700 BC to AD 470. During much of this period, demotic was the ordinary writing of daily life, but is occasionally found chiseled even upon stone. From the dates given, it will be apparent that if Lehi and Nephi knew Egyptian, they may have been familiar with this very shortened form of Egyptian. That was by Milton R. Hunter. Hugh Nibley stated that this form of Egyptian could be written in less space than Hebrew, because in Lehi's day, demotic was actually a shorthand, extremely cramped and abbreviated, and it was peculiarly adapted to the sounds and thought process of one language, Egyptian. So uh, as they used this, uh, they didn't use it originally to write with, but they found that it was useful uh, as they were preparing the plates and writing, keeping records on plates. So uh, that was the purpose of the, of the language. And then in verse 34, the Lord knoweth the things which, he, which we have written, and also that none other people knoweth our language. Remember, because it's been modified so many times. Because that none other people knoweth our language, therefore he hath prepared means, meaning the Urim and Thummim, for the interpretation thereof. And we know that as Joseph Smith received the gold plates, he also received the Urim and Thummim to aid him as he began the translation process. He also used the seer stone, and uh, for a time also didn't even need anything. He just needed to uh, feel the inspiration of God to know what the book was going to say. So these things are true. I bear testimony that the gospel is true and that the Book of Mormon is a literal translation from um, ancient record that Joseph Smith received the power to translate by the gift and power of God. I bear that testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hope to see you next time. Bye.